Many have tried, many have failed, and she is one of them. It's Fitless with Bianca Brady. Well, there's nothing like home for the holidays. We're back. It's Fitless. It's me, your host, Bianca Brady. And I'm here on Christmas morning with the very best present I ever got in my life. It's my stepdad, Jack Giarusso. Whoa. Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great Um, to be here. It's great to be anywhere. It's great to be (laughs) anywhere at all. Right. So you'll be hearing this a little post-Christmas, but maybe this will remind you how festive and happy you were on that day with your family or not. Maybe you were happier not with them. <laughs> Who knows? Can't imagine. Um, so yeah, this is a family, another family style fitless. Everybody's going to get to know all the people in my life. Um, Jack and I uh, went to the club a couple days ago and played racquetball. Um, we did. So we'll talk a little about that later. <clears throat> but in the meantime, Jack, tell the people, what's your fitness background? What's your exercise? What's been your active life? My active life? Um, well, I had the great fortune of growing up across the street from a park, and in a neighborhood uh, in the 50s with families like mine, um, pretty homogeneous, mm-hmm. mostly Italian-Americans, uh, sprinkled in a couple Irish-Americans, but we had this great park, and it was a wide-open field in which, depending on the season of the year, we would play a sport, baseball, football, some basketball, um, whatever else was available. We weren't much in terms of winter sports. We weren't ice skaters or skiers. We weren't much in the way of golfers. Mm-hmm. But we were a run-around type of group, and um, you just competed against the same group of people, and all it took was any two people could find a game. Um, if it was baseball, you'd play hit the bat, where you'd hit the ball, and a guy would throw the ball back in and try to hit the bat laying on the ground. Oh, and really? <laughs> football, you would do kicking, if it was just two of you. And, and any variation, depending on how many people showed up. In basketball, of course, one-on-one was fine, or and whatever else. So, um, so from a very early age, um, I was pretty much <clears throat> excuse me, encouraged to be outside, and by peer pressure, if you will, but good friends, we stayed active and we played we played sports. Um, and throughout my life, I've played sports. <coughs> Excuse me. We got the Christmas frogs, everyone. <coughs> Forgive Excuse us. Me. Okay. Um, some of those were organized leagues. Um, you know, Pop Warner football, uh, basketball leagues, baseball leagues. Others were much more informal, um, just people getting together and playing. Uh, 
Um, in high school, uh, I went to an all-male high school with many very good athletes. Um, so didn't get into many of the mainstream sports, but did row for a couple of years um, I didn't as know a way that. to stay busy. Yep, um, it, uh, I wasn't quite big enough to be, um, you know, the strong rower in the boat, and I was a little too big to be the coxswain. Um, but I did it, and uh, it was always important to stay active doing something. When I went to college, um, I actually was able to uh, participate in the process of going from a club to a varsity sport in soccer. And although I had never played the game before, um, there was club football available, but I knew my limitations and soccer looked like a much more gentlemanly game in which you did not bang heads. <laughs> you never uh, played soccer in the park, though. Never, we never played at all. That was never a game that we played. The closest I ever came to playing soccer was uh, a crumpled up tin can out on the street <laughs> in which you try to knock it into the sewer. And Honestly, that, that was, sounds like fun. That wasn't bad, except it was a busy street and you had to dodge <laughs> cars. So that was good for developing your quickness, obviously. <laughs> and But honestly, we never played the sport, never had a soccer ball in front of me. And But I could run around and um, the skills that you learn from playing competitive sports and team sports served me well when it came to soccer. Yeah. And so I also had the uh, fortune to participate on a team with other non-soccer players. So many of us were learning the game as we were playing it. There was a sprinkling of uh, international players, uh, a couple of fellows from Greece and one from Italy, um, and a couple from the United Kingdom. They must have been good. They were. They were. Um, they were certainly knowledgeable of the game, mm-hmm. um, and so we made up for it. As did many of our competitors in other colleges, with um, a more aggressive form um, that was probably closer to rugby or football than it was <laughs> to pure soccer, but. Um, that was okay too. So, um, so I got to play that and then also played uh, competitive volleyball for that same college. Fortunately, it was a small school, a Division three. So um, if you were someone who was active and interested, these opportunities were there for you, which was great. Um, I ended up coaching both of those sports uh, for the school for a limited period of time. Um, and that was also fun. Subsequent to that, to college, um, I ended up just, you know, with the same, many of the group of guys that I met in college or from my growing up years, playing in basketball leagues or pick up football games, including a Thanksgiving morning tradition of uh, of football of the old guys against the young guys. (laughs) And over the course of time, I went from being a young guy to an old guy, mm-hmm. uh, to a non-player, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and most of us would spend many Thanksgiving afternoons lying on the couch. Um, nursing with an nursing injury. Nursing an injury <laughs> or two. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, uh, so I stayed, always stayed active with that. Um, in the mid-70s and partially from college into the mid-70s, um, started playing tennis with guys that were, again, more adept at that and had played as younger. We never played that as young kids either. We didn't have tennis rackets. Um, but we play, I played that, and um, through playing tennis with certain people, um, we kind of morphed into racquetball, racquetball, which was starting up. Um, and, you know, and I've done other, stayed active otherwise with, when did golf get in the mix? Golf was um, golf was the classic get involved with golf. It was um, we played. I played a little bit in college because there were some guys that were playing, and so we'd get together and we would uh, play a little bit. But I would not play golf after May because it was too warm, oh. and I did not enjoy being out there in the heat golfing. Uh, Plus, I wasn't very good at it. Right. So I only played a couple times, and that was about it. And then my first, one of my first jobs, and, and I was 30 years old as a human resource director of a college, um, peer pressure intervened. And someone asked, uh, because the president of the college played golf, mm-hmm. and that it would be a good opportunity for us to, you know, for me to do this. Um, so knowing my limited skills, I contacted a friend of mine who had been an assistant golf pro and asked him for a quick lesson so I would not embarrass myself with my new peers. Wow. And that was, uh, probably 1981 or 82. And that has become an activity for life, um, that I can do and enjoy, enjoy walking and many years carrying the bag and now just pulling a golf cart, but still <laughs> getting out there and being outside um, and really enjoying the competitive nature of it, but also really the social nature of it. Because if you've got to be with somebody for four and a half to five hours, you really want... You should probably be, like them. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice to like them. And it's over the years, you have to filter out people who, you know, who I guess went to bed believing they were Jack Nicholas, and then they woke up and they were Joe Schmo, and they <laughs> they were rather they get rather upset at their inability to be Jack Nicholas anymore. Um, but most of the guys I play with uh, know their limitations and are able to laugh at them or each other um, and make the game more enjoyable. That's fun. Yeah. Also around that same well, early I guess was college was skiing, mm-hmm. and again as a social activity and an opportunity to um, meet people, there was an intercollegiate ski club formed, which of course I got involved in. Jack's (laughs) a real joiner. I'm a joiner. If you haven't noticed. (laughs) And it was a great opportunity to meet people, and uh, there was always parties involved with skiing and great bus rides. Um, So I took up skiing, um, again, starting... Rather slowly and (laughs) 
poorly equipped and but able to have fun with it and again the the other uh, social aspect and so i continue to do some of that mm-hmm. um never been a great skier but uh but i still love being outside and enjoying that so that's pretty much what i but have you done. also had a running a running period i did run i actually ran four marathons um just found time between all these parties yeah that's all i mean it was just another group of friends another group of people to do this with oh really yeah, absolutely <laughs> and uh which actually led to me meeting bianca yes uh when she was just three years not quite three years old and as a matter of fact it was mother's day of 1991 she would not turn three for another couple of weeks um, and a mutual friend of her mother's and mine held a little party following a road race in which I had run with my then 10-year-old son and Karen, Bianca's mother, who you've met previously mm-hmm. through Fitless, um, was running one of her first races. It was her first one. It was one. her first race. And we met at this party later in twenty. Some odd years, 25 years later, here we are talking here about it. Here we are. Yeah. The power of exercise, everyone. <laughs> so running uh, became an activity that I never inv- imagined myself doing, very honestly. I was uh, The running that I did as a kid and through up into my 30s was sprinting. You know, shorter running related to a specific sport. Mm-hmm. You run for something. You run yeah. to something. Um, or run away from somebody, <laughs> as the case may be. Um, but this was just running for the sake of running. And uh, so I did that for a few years. And once that stopped being fun, um, I just walk. Yeah. But racquetball remains a staple of Jack's exercise routine. That's correct. And so... For my whole life, I've heard, you know, whispers and shouts of this, oh, go down the club, play racquetball. Oh, yeah, that guy, play racquetball with him. Mm -hmm. Oh, racquetball. It's always been around, but I never really experienced it until just a couple days ago. So imagine picturing something (laughs) for your whole life and then finally playing it. So we went down to Worcester Fitness, which Jack told me it used to just be all racquetball courts because racquetball was kind of a craze, right? Right. In the late 70s, um, it was replacing tennis as the craze because of the, the exercise and how many calories you could burn in an hour playing singles racquetball. Versus tennis. Versus tennis. So if you haven't seen it, it's like it's like this box it's of a, box. a room. It's indoors, first of all. The, you can actually play outside. There are outdoor courts. They are basically three walls or two and a half walls, a front wall and then walls that run down the side a little bit. Mm-hmm. And but there's no back. Oh. And it's uh, it's played like that. It it's really more of the takeoff from handball. Yeah. And and if there's a sport that racquetball most copies, it would be handball. Yeah. So you're in this uh, box 
and it's very loud. You get a lot of echoing and sounds of the ball hitting the racket and the ball hitting the wall and the echo of your voice. So it's kind of a dramatic atmosphere. It makes like any sound of exertion sound like you're Serena Williams all of a sudden. <laughs> and um, the club is really fun because it used to just be all racquetball courts, but now as racquetball has kind of gone down in popularity, it's a gym and there's a pool and there's classes, everything. But there's still a bar in this health club and a lot of parties. And I don't know, like maybe I went to a baby shower there once or something. Mm -hmm. So what I love about the club and about your whole exercise experience is how much community there is in all of it. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we walked in in the woman at the front desk you know and every you know we the court that we were in has one glass wall where everybody coming down the stairs can see you you're like oh that guy he's a you know Worcester police that guy oh you know this lady that's her husband oh yep I know him from this and that and whatever it is and it's just so nice you know mm -hmm. and it's it's fun to sometimes, because I think for a lot of people in my generation, exercise has become such a, like a solitary thing. You know, you go to the gym, you get on the elliptical, you watch the TV or you listen to your own music. Nobody talks to anybody or even really looks at anybody. You just get in, get out, don't say anything. And so it's fun to be playing a game. And that's what I loved about playing racquetball, which, you know, I'm pretty fantastic at, listener. <laughs> right, right, I'm a right, right. But, but I will say... I'm naturally skilled. <laughs> naturally <so>. skilled. Um, <laughs> I had played a lot of tennis, and I'd played a lot of sports in which eye-hand eye coordination was required, baseball and tennis and so forth. And was thinking back about this just recently, the first time I played racquetball. Mm -hmm. And I was somewhat like, um, I'm not sure I'll get the movie correct, but it was Tom Hanks, and I believe it was Bachelor Party. Oh, yeah. In which he plays, I believe it's tennis, with his soon-to-be father-in-law, mm -hmm. future father-in-law. And and the father-in-law, of course, comes out in his whites, in tennis whites, and Tom's there in his sweatpants and sweatshirt and hitting the ball over the fence, calling it a home run. Well, I I joined. I had never pl I'd played tennis with this particular individual who uh, worked at a college nearby where I worked, and he invited me to play racquetball because we'd play tennis together. And he says, "Oh, you'll like this sport." And when I got there, and it was we were going to play doubles, so there were four of us in this court. And it's kind of small. And it's uh, the court is the dimensions are twenty feet wide, by twenty feet high, by forty feet long, um, but it can get crowded with four people in it. And the three of them were all dressed in their best uh, Holy Cross preppy mm -hmm. clothing, and I was in my ripped sweatpants and sweatshirt and um, looking for a way to hit home runs um, <laughs> and being 
about as uh, adept as this activity as Bianca was uh, in her first attempt, too. So uh, I will give you credit for being out there. And yeah. uh, it, it can be a somewhat scary sport because yeah. that ball can travel at you rather quickly. It can, and because you serve it against the wall, so your opponent is like standing behind you kind of, and then they have to hit it against the wall and then it can bounce once, and you hit against the wall, and it's like a volley, sort of like handball mixed with ping pong, mixed with tennis. Um, but yeah, like just the sounds that are produced and the whizzing of the ball, and you know, I tend to be a little bit on the timid side or maybe a little trepidatious. I'm not used to really playing anything aggressively or going for it I'm not the most competitive person <laughs> so it's it's a different mindset and it's fun once you kind of get into it and you get a couple good wax in but boy when you whiff like crazy whiff <laughs> and laugh at you just have to be able to laugh at yourself you know mm -hmm. and just like anything else you're not gonna be great at it right away but I think if I were to play it consistently, I would have to partner up or team up with somebody who is a little bit more competitive than me just to get that kind of energy going. Because I can picture it playing with like a friend of mine, like maybe a Dory Kagan, for example, and we'd just the whole time be like, good job, good hit, you did it. Oh, wow, look at you go. <laughs> I, I did not give Bianca a trophy when she left the uh, the room that day. <laughs> no, but I did say. get a bagel. You got a bagel, got an apple. There was a food spread there at the club. Little, there was a little food spread. The owner had a little uh, spread out for us. Yeah, it was very nice. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it would just take, like, a new mindset for me to just that, like, natural sort of aggressive competitive spirit that a lot of people have, I think a lot of people don't have it. it. And you don't have to be aggressive to play the game in a sense of that, you know, you have to hate your opponent. Right. But you have to be aggressive in the sense of your your willingness to move and your willingness to go after the ball. Right. Um, because the game does require a lot of running, and, and it's a game where you learn... Uh, where to place yourself uh, over the course of the, the game. You can learn how to hit the ball and how to hit it low and so forth, but you also really have to learn you know, where to stand, where to move. So, number one, you're able to hit the ball and also so that you can avoid uh, running into your opponent or hitting your opponent with the ball or your racket, and that does happen. Yeah. Um, there is, you know, those kinds of things can take place. So the the competitiveness to make you want to do better requires that you you have to move in you order to go really after enjoy. It. Yeah, yeah. The ball again will come back to you sometimes, but mostly you you're in a position where you have to be moving much more quickly than you might uh, might like to. Yes, but also spatially knowing because the ball can bounce off the walls however many times it does 
and just knowing like the trajectory of where it's going to go, where you should stand and it's agility really. You you had equated it to playing pool and understanding the, the angles and there's very much of that in there. And some of the players that I played with over the years who were very good at that were good pool players mm-hmm. and really did have that same, again, the eye-hand coordination piece, plus also understanding the angles Yeah. sometimes and which way the ball is likely to go when you hit it in a certain place. Yeah, so you could be sort of like a Jedi master of racquetball and like only have to stand in one place because you just know. You can see the future. Not entirely, but depending on who you're playing with, you can get close to that. Yeah, and you should wear safety goggles if you're really going to go for it. Right. The the ball can and has been known to cause a detached retina. Uh, And and in fact, they used to have the goggles that they used to prescribe were open, so they were plastic frames. Oh. But there would be an opening. And because sometimes the glass or whatever else you would wear would fog up, so they were openings. But the ball could actually squeeze into that opening and cause a, a bit of a vacuum. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. So there, there were, you know, um, there were those types of accidents. Um, I know at least three people that tore their Achilles playing. Um, and there's a lot of other, there can be a lot of other pulled muscles and sore shoulders and et cetera. Um, yeah. Because it's that kind of quick type of movement um, that can build up some torque mm-hmm. on your joints. And so you need to be careful about that. But Yeah, my, my right arm was pretty sore from swinging it around. Mm-hmm. But it was really fun. It was fun. It was fun. Fun to do it. <laughs> And again, it's uh, it's great to play with people that um, can be competitive and want to do well, but at the same time uh, can still enjoy the uh, the fun of the game, yeah, and the spirit of the game, and appreciate when an opponent hits a good shot, um, you know, that may aggravate you or cause you to cause you to miss or or not get to the ball, but. Still, you can appreciate that. Right. So having that aspect of it is great. Um, We play uh, some singles, but mostly we play doubles. And as I mentioned to Bianca, we play co-ed doubles um, or whomever is around. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a game for, um, you know, that can be played. People well into their 70s can play the game. Um, men, women, we used to have a lot of younger uh, kids play the game. Um, so it, it, it's an opportunity, and you can play with people at a comparable skill level and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it has all of that. So my, my main question, I guess, is... I know you're not the biggest fan of hypotheticals, but humor me. What if... It's your show. What if you grew up not near a park and you had the internet when you were a kid? Right. 
Do you think that your whole exercise life would be a lot different? I, I suspect it would be. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, because of the... Just careful with that chord. Okay. Little tech, tech be, note. Be, because of the time that we grew up mm -hmm. in, um, and while the, there may have been some stronger gender distinctions, mm -hmm. um, you were encouraged, you were strongly encouraged to be active and be active outside. And frankly, there weren't a lot of alternatives. Yeah. I mean, you could read. Uh, there was music. Music was invented then, and there, there, you know, there were, uh, and you could be into that. But even the the individuals who uh, I grew up with that became musicians, uh, you know, mostly played. So I, I suspect um, it would have been much different. Um, I would say the ratio of adult supervised activities has gone from 5% when I was a child to probably 95% now. Mm -hmm. um, that, uh, so unless that I was encouraged or made to play um, because my parents or some adults were directing me and causing that motivation, you know, I guess I might not have done so. Yeah. Um, but it's it's hard to say. You know, there was. I had a lot of energy. Yeah. And so I'm not sure I would have been satisfied sitting at a computer. A, a computer. Um, I, I don't know what it would have been like playing computer games as a youngster but I've never been very good at them <laughs> as an adult <laughs> and uh, don't find a great deal of pleasure out of those, uh, not games that require a lot of quick hand, eye hand movements and right. judging things. And as attested by the fact that I lost my nephew's drone on the first attempt uh, last Oops. night. Oops. <laughs> Maybe one of the shortest lived uh, Christmas gifts ever. <laughs> One of the shortest drone flights ever. <laughs> well, I don't know about it being short flight, but uh, <laughs> without um, control. Certainly so, is lost. Yeah, so I, I don't, um, certainly like my life would have been much different yeah. in terms of that. And maybe the propensity to try different sports and get involved would have been different. It also, um, by having that background, I... I associated with people. That's the other um, huge thing. Right. That also played. So when I went to college, um, I may have only known one or two people, but we immediately gravitated together with others mm -hmm. who played sports. And, you know, there was a field, a little field right in front of Worcester State College. Um, it was part of the grounds, but there were no buildings on it that we used to have intramural softball games and football games and so forth. So it was just like my growing up park. Right. Um, at, instead of having parents watch me, I had oftentimes the professors whose class I should have been in watching me. But nonetheless, <laughs> it was a it caused for that. So I I suspect if I did not. So hypothetically, I would suggest I would certainly have been much different about 
those activities or willingness to try them? Or did more what gets done today in that been involved in more singular activities if I needed a way to vent that that energy that I Yeah. Had. Well, I think it's just, it's such a good lesson and like a good model for for life to just, the second you're sort of able to walk, to be sort of thrust into a social situation immediately without any kind of guideline mm -hmm. and just make your way through these social situations. And then, you know, as you just told everybody that in high school, same, same model for interacting, college, and then now, even at the club, it's sort of like a simulation of that park atmosphere. Absolutely. And I think I find that in my life in New York, and it's it's really hard to find those community spaces. And it takes a lot to look for them. And people aren't, it's not prioritized by a lot of people um, in my life or my age group. So I always find like a little coffee shop where I sort of know everybody after a while or, you know, just, I like to hang around. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to find those hanging around, hanging around playing spots. It's so cool. And especially also because the house where Jack grew up is a house where his parents lived forever. And, you know, I grew up going there and I played a little in that same park. So it's really nice feeling to have that sort of connection with your parent or your step-parent or your grandparent based on literally location, like that's the park where we used to play. There, you can look at it and see it. You could play there. I played on that jungle gym a lot. But now, you know, the computers have taken over a little bit more. Computers in, in a lot of organized sports. I, yeah. I think the, the throwback um, to those days, you might see in uh, probably more inner city areas. Yeah. And basketball being maybe the prime mm -hmm. uh, player where there may be leagues, and again, that may be the 5% of adult-directed activity, but 95% of it is just pickup games. Yeah. And it's people getting together and playing. And and there is a, um, a, a strata that is created by your ability to play. Mm-hmm. And whom you know who you play with, and sometimes that leads to who you socialize with, based on on your ability, um, and depending on how competitive the sport is, that creates that social strata. Um, when you get into less competitive, and golf can be that way, even among competitive, but you can you can equalize by the use of a handicap. Mm -hmm. um, you can break down some of that. But nonetheless, that, that's probably the throwback to what I grew up doing is um, those activities that are not always adult-driven or controlled and directed um, where kids can just get out and play and play the game they like to play. And again, you know, we had our role models as athletes as when I was young. Um, 
you know, post-cavemen were uh, <laughs> actually individuals who were, you know, in organized sports and playing for the Red Sox and playing oh, for cool. prior to the New England Patriots. In my case, I enjoyed the Cleveland Browns and all the New York Giants. Um, and then the Patriots came in in 1960, you know, when I was 10 years old. So I jumped on that. Yeah, well, yeah, but I always stayed a Browns fan too. Oh. But um, but those were our role models. And now, again, individuals in, in areas will still have those role models in the sports, and those are the sports that they'll play right. and emulate. So how many of those kids who you played with in the park when you were a little boy do you still see and know and hang out with? Uh, actually, a remarkable number of them because we golf together in a league. <laughs> that if you if you understand golf terminology, the name of our league is called the Preferred Liars, and preferred lie means that you, uh, when you're playing, you put the ball, you place the ball up a little bit to give you an advantage out on the course. Uh-huh. And of course, the word liar can also mean someone who is less than truthful, which happens a lot in golf, <laughs> by the way. Um, so our league is the Preferred Liars, and it is made up of primarily individuals. Uh, from my growing up days, from that neighborhood, and with some expansion, and 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 the funny thing is, because of the age span of that group, guys still refer themselves to themselves as old guys or young guys. Because there was like two sort of yeah. tiers right. in the park. Right. Yeah, there were generational issues. You know, like my brother being eight years younger than me was a young guy. So yeah. now there are there are. 50s and early 60s guys golfing. Late 60s guys. Calling themselves young guys? No, the 60s and olders, we call ourselves the old guys. <laughs> <laughs> the 50s and unders are, are definitely the young guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. So, but yeah, that those relationships um, did last. Yeah. Um, and they became a source of connection. Um, and again, for me, over the years, there have been a lot of groups, you know, college guys and non-college guys and high school guys and growing up guys and uh, people, I should say, not entirely all, all males, that, uh, you know, including your mother, who right. we ran together quite a bit and part of a, a large group of people who ran. Um, so all of that became um, that became that connection. So would you say you're a jock, yes or no? Yes, yes, I would absolutely say that, yeah, yeah. And I would say you're not. No, I'm no. not. <laughs> no. no. I know, it's an it's a, it's a interesting question because I wonder if there's a, weird, a weirdo from the park days who sort of wandered off. There in, were. Into their... Certainly. No, there were. There were individuals who... Um, either because they were not very good, were not very coordinated, or just not interested. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they were motorheads. Right. Uh, you know, and there were people who got into to drugs. Sure. There were people who had other activities, uh, you know, musical or artistic or whatever, that may not have been part of the mainstream. And then there were some guys who, no matter how hard they tried, they just were never going to be very good. Right. And, and so... When you do something that you're not very good at, you, you don't continue to do it for much longer, and you do find 
you know, alternate things to do. So, so they're absolutely, um, those guys, you know, they're, they're still part of the, the general uh, group of people, right. uh, but they may not be participating in it. The other thing is that for some guys who are not good in one sport, um, may become good in golf or right. have found a sport that they can play, but because they had those influences mm-hmm. of that and they enjoyed that social aspect and the camaraderie of being in a team situation, they've stayed active, which is good. All right. I'm going to debut a new game for the end of the show. If you can think of roses and thorns, what's like a great sports moment of glory and what's like a terrible sports moment of despair that you could remember? Oh, my goodness. Uh, have I ever had a great moment? I've had, I've, well, certainly I would say probably getting a hole in one. Oh, that must be, have been so sweet. That was sweet. That was uh, in 2012, the only time I've ever secured that. I've had some other very great, I consider great shots in golf, but actually getting a hole in one is a clearly recognizable one and, and one that I would say is a, is a highlight. You know, winning some championships with teams that I played on was always, you know, were great over the years. Um, as to Thorns, um, I, I, you know, I guess I have a mindset that anytime you've played something, you know, you, you've won. Not that you get a trophy for it. I don't mean that. Um I Listen, would say one of my I never got a trophy. <laughs> so <laughs> a participation trophy, no, no. I never got any trophy. I did play on a soccer team in college that didn't win a game. Oh, that we must were, have we been were a, 0 and eleven. A little thorny. 12, so that was a little thorny. But I still enjoyed the experience. Yeah. Um, but that would be that would be a thorny. I can't I can't think of a a time. I mean, I'm sure there were plenty of times when I failed playing a sport. Um, we used to have racquetball tournaments and, you know, you would lose a, a match or whatever. Um, but the experience over the years have always been so much more positive than negative that I've not really dwelt on those others. And right. Thought, oh, my. But, but I would say, you know, having teams that, that were pretty inept. <laughs> um, you know, I'm sure I had some moments in baseball where... Uh, a strikeout or a or an error in the field were uh, bummers. You know, bummers and maybe somewhat consequential at the time, but certainly nothing that's uh, lasted the uh, lasted over time. So I guess this episode, what I would say to people is, if you're thinking like, "Oh, I gotta get a gym membership, I gotta work out," not necessarily. Just maybe join a team. Or play racquetball or do something yeah. that's like maybe a little more fun and social. You, you know, I, low stakes, high rewards. I remember when we where we lived before we live now, and there was a field uh, again not far from us. And we used to walk the dogs a lot, and there was a co-ed soccer league mm-hmm. um, with relatively young people. And maybe they work together or something. I'm not sure, you know, what all their connections were. But they seem to have that. 
that that fun type of thing. And, you know, seeing some paper bags on the sidelines suggested that after the game they were finding some ways to enjoy themselves as well. <laughs> yeah. But but again, I, I think those kinds of opportunities, whether they're through your work or through other connections, are available and they're definitely worth your while to do it, I think. Go for it, everyone. Go for it, yep. Well, thanks, Jack. My pleasure. Thanks for taking me down the club. Take you down the club. Introduced you and introduced your podcast to as many people as oh, I could. Yeah. Really? <laughs> My one-man PR outfit. <laughs> Try this. <laughs> Talk about finding community. Yeah. Um, right. Well, anyway, um, hope everyone's having a good Christmas or had a good Christmas once they hear this or... Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. And um, thanks to Bill Wadman, as always, tech help. Thank you to Sandy Claus for all my presents. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. I love you. Bye-bye. I love you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>